Uh, as you all know, I want to bring you greetings from my family today. Uh, on March 30, something happened to me. Yes. My wife and I had been married for 25 years. Yes. <laughs> so attend the seminar, Married for Life. Hallelujah. I plan to be married to my wife until the day I die. Amen. And that's really the real commitment. And many, many people don't understand it anymore. With the way divorce rate is going up so high, I think more than 50% for most people. And if that statistic go down, it's not because the people are not divorcing. It's because they're not marrying at all. That's a big problem. And so I'm so happy to be married to Sarah Joy Yasa, the daughter of Johnny Yasa, who's still pastoring today at the age of 78 in Iloilo Bethel Temple in the, in the city of Iloilo. Still so strong, not even sick. I said, wow, if I could just reach this, his stature like that. But I'm aiming for even a longer one. I plan to live to be 120. <laughs> so I also want to bring you greetings from my children. Luke Anthony, he's 21. And also my son, Joseph Raphael, he's 18. And my only daughter and our princess, Destiny Faye, she's 16. They're all waiting for me to come home already. And tomorrow I'll be going, going to fly back, uh, fly back to Germany. So please pray for my trip, that there'll be no volcanic ash that will hinder my trip. <laughs> I was not hindered to come here. You know, it was really lame. The whole uh, German airspace was banned uh, for a week. And many people have already written me because my flight was last, last week. But when I got to the airport, as if nothing happened. And I was saying to the people, I said, you know, you, you should have seen Mount Pinatubo. In 1992, I was uh, the speaker in Bethel Bible Institute for their spiritual emphasis. And I was the last, last flight out of Manila as Mount Pinatubo was erupting. I saw it from the airplane. It's like multiple atomic bombs. You know, Mount Pinatubo shot up 36 kilometers up into the air. This volcanic ash in Iceland is only 6 kilometers, so it's very small. <laughs> in to ours is 36 kilometers. That's why there was a real effect of the global, uh, global weather. Because the, even the ashes reached Europe and America. But this kind of ashes, they were all just so worried and they lost $2 billion as, a, as a result. <laughs> now that everybody's flying in spite of the ashes, you know, spewing out. But anyway, I also want to invite you to Germany and don't let the volcanic ash hinder you. Because Pastor Benny is one of our speakers in our European networking conference come November 1 to November 4, this current year. I hope you've seen the, the, the brochure there. And it will be held in the capital city of Berlin. You know, Berlin is very beautiful, but we need prayers in Germany. I want you to really consider coming to this conference. Who's considering to come to the conference? So I can pray for you. God bless you. Anyone else? I really want you to really come. You'll really be blessed. Of course, you have to make it partly an intercessory trip. When you get to the land of Europe, as you all know, Europe is no longer so Christian as it used to be. Although the Reformation started from Europe, now, generally speaking, Europe is becoming more Muslim and uh, the Christians have become more 
Christian in their attitude. There's still a lot of traces, but you consider coming to this conference, and the team is the glory of God. How many of you think that that's a good team? Amen. So that's a very good team. So please come. Pastor Ben is one of our speakers, so support. I said to the earlier service that I hope that you will not only send a few people, but you will send a delegation. We're expecting between 350 to 400 people to participate in the conference from all over the place. That's why partly I'm in America today to promote this conference and to make sure that we will have a large participation because we need your prayers in Europe. Now we have seven churches in Germany, but if God calls you to come to Germany, you are welcome. And plant a church. You know, I already told that to Pastor Benny that Maybe some young people here have a heart for Europe, you know, because we really need missionaries there and, and churches. What is seven churches out of a city of 90 million people? We still need to reach that land. So help me, okay? Das ist kann viele Deutsche erreichen mit dem Evangelium des Reichs Gottes. Amen? <laughs> Just say amen, okay? <laughs> I'm really excited. I love these Germans. You know, if you come to our church, um, it's quite different than the churches that I visit here among Filipinos, mainly Filipinos. In our church, more than half of our congregation is German. And so I minister to large German Goliathic people, huge Filipinos. You know, I'm very small in stature. I mean, huge Germans. I'm very small as a Filipino. I'm only, you know, 165 centimeters and all these Germans are 180, 192 meters high. And I have members like that. Of course, I have a member who is also a little bit tiny, Klaus, but mighty. But you know, their heart, when they become committed to God, they are committed. And so pray for us that our church will continue to grow and have an impact in that nation. We're beginning to have an impact. One of the things that we do is constantly praying and fasting because you know the battle is not in the flesh tell your neighbor the battle is not in the flesh it's always in the spirit amen so you know last night i spoke to our colleagues and careers and really encouraged them about the markers that they need to pursue and these three markers had been the glory of god can you say that the glory of god and then second marker, your purpose is you become more like Jesus. Say it, more like Jesus. Can you go wrong if you become more like Jesus? <laughs> if you become more like Jesus, you become godly, you become nice, and you become holy, but you become bold as well. And you become powerful, you become confident. You become a man and a woman of prayer. You become what God wants you to be in your own uniqueness. One of the major spirits that we fight in Europe, and I think you should also fight it in America, is the spirit of extreme individualism. That's why marriages are falling apart. Because it's all about I, me, and myself. I want to be happy. That's mine. That's rightfully mine. Sometimes you are so right, you're wrong. And so, I want you to really join us in spiritual warfare. Although that's not what I want to preach to you about today. I want to preach to you about the five markers of the Reformation. How many of you know this already? So, I'm going to read a few scriptures. Number one, I want you to read with me Romans. Can you help me? <laughs> okay, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. How many of you know this verse? 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and also to the Greek. For therein the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For just as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. Okay, that's the first verse. Okay, the next verse. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. So this is King James, so it's slightly different than what I had memorized. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. What does it say? All scriptures, all, everybody say all. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be completely or adequate, equipped for every good work. Okay, next verse. Are you still there? All right. Next verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay? Last, uh, maybe two more verses. Huh? Is that okay? I, I'm rushing you through this thing. Second <laughs> uh, Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by this, He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And then the last verse, if you have your Bibles, Revelations chapter 4, verse 11. Are you there? It says here, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God. I think I'll just read it from the King. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive, let's read it together, glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. Today, I want to preach to you about the five markers of the Reformation that began in Germany that has affected people worldwide. After 200 years, there's over 650 million that believes in this basic foundation called Reformation. I want us to pray. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, we just thank you today for helping us 
express and communicate your words clearly so that it brings understanding and not only understanding, but Lord, as the word is preached today, we treat your word like it is, your words that comes from you. And I pray that your anointing will cause our minds to be renewed, that we will come to repentance, Lord God, and that we will be transformed in the way that we live because of the effect of your word and your spirit working inside of us. Father, today I just thank you for the congregation of the Lord of Harvest. I pray that your anointing will help me, O oh God, communicate your wisdom and let Faith be ignited in our hearts so that we may truly know you and do great exploits for you in our present time and generation. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 So tonight, uh, this morning, I want to preach to you about these five markers. Ito po, this is the foundation of the Protestant movement. Now you say, maybe you say, Pastor, I am not Protestant, I'm still Catholic. Yeah, you may still be Catholic, but I hope you're no longer Roman Catholic. I, I was also born and raised as a Roman Catholic, so all of these things. But I want to just tell you, in, in the 16th century, there was a German monk by the name of Martin Luther. He was a very brilliant priest and a very spiritual priest. You know, in, in, the, in the life of Martin Luther, he battled with this question. How can a man be made right with God? How can a man be accepted by a holy and a righteous God? What must he do? The practice at that time and the practice till today in most of religion and most of the Roman Catholic Church is you have to pay for your sins. They also believe in God. They also have grace of God. But it's always plus, plus. So Martin Luther had the opportunity and privilege to do pilgrimage in Rome, bringing the, the certificates of penance from the poor people to make sure that their dead loved ones will be promoted from purgatory to heaven, that they will not go to hell. That was the thinking because people did not have any access to the Bible. So the five markers are this, that Martin Luther gave his life for. Number one, can you... Remember this, sola scriptura. So scriptures, you just put A at the end. Sola scriptura. What does that mean? By the word alone. Say it with me. By the word alone. Okay, second uh, marker in the Reformation is sola fide. That means by faith alone. Can you remember that? Say it with me. By faith alone. Okay, number three. Sola gratia. By grace alone. And then the fourth one is solo Cristo. Through Christ alone. Okay, and the fifth, and, and to me, that is really, this is the, the, the crowning pillar of all of the pillars is soli deo gloria which means to the glory of god alone does this make sense to you okay this is the 
pillars of the Protestant Reformation or the evangelicalism that we talk about. We believe, just like, you know, in 1520. So when Pastor Benny comes to Germany again, I'm going to try and bring him to that city called Wittenberg. Wittenberg was the place in 1520 where Martin Luther pinned the 95 theses of his dissent against the practice of trying to pay for your sins. And this caused a big uproar because this was published. And you know, as you all know, Germany has also invented the printing press. So it was already being printed. So they printed this thing and they spread it all around. And there was a big uproar. Do we really want reformation? You know what reformation will take? It can also sometimes spill blood. In that reformation, you know how many people died after the reformation? In Germany alone, over three. 100,000 people died. I mean, real people. This was not just a religious movement. There was a big revolution as a result of the Reformation that changed the way we think about God. So, he pinned this in 1520. In 1521, Luther was tried at the Diet of Worms. He was being asked to recant. He said, recant. Do you, everyone understand recant means renounce what he was teaching. He said, you see, for many, many years, what we had always taught in the church history is the church, Orthodox, Roman Catholicism still believe this, that the Bible was formed by the church. And therefore, only the church leaderships and council can interpret this. You cannot. You don't even have access to the Bible. And what Martin Luther was said, we need to give the scriptures to everyone so that they will know what the Word of God is teaching. Up until his time, nobody has access to the Bible. So he was being asked to recant to stop doing what he was doing. And in the Diet of Worms, Martin Luther stood before the bishops and the cardinals and the royals of Germany. He said, I will not recant unless you can prove me wrong by Scripture. It is neither good nor safe to deny my conscience. So help me God. Here I stand. I will not recant. That's what he said. Do you have that kind of passion and conviction about God, God's Word? Do you love this Bible like he did? Do you believe that this Bible is still the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God? You see, many Christians, they come to the Bible and they think it's just another book. This is not just another book. This is a book that reveals to you the plans, the purposes, and the glory of God. If you treasure the Word, you know what's going to happen? The Word will begin to reveal to you what you need to do and how you need to live. The Bible tells us, what does it say? The grass will wither. The flower will fade, but the word of our God shall abide forever. That's why Paul says, study to show yourself. Approve unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Do you love God's word? Is this your daily food? 
You know, sola scriptura means this word becomes your treasure. You begin to read it. Now, I, I, I still agree with the church that everybody should not just interpret the Bible. See, the reason why we have many church splits today, they don't agree with the pastor. They look for a passage in the Bible. Says, you see, I can also start my own church. That's also wrong. It took me many, many years to come to this place of confidence and conviction. But you got to learn the Bible. And the Holy Spirit will teach you so that we don't twist the Scriptures. But we begin to abide by its authority. See, what do you think of the Bible? Do you think there are fables in this thing? See, in Germany, why we have a big problem? In the early 1900s, there's a, not, an, a man by the name of Rudolf Boltmann. Say it with me, Boltmann. See, the Germans are very ferocious with this thing. He said, he's a great theologian. He just died in 1976. You can Google him if you want. B-U-L-T-M-A-N-N. Boltmann. He's one of the greatest theological influence of this century. And his greatest contribution to Christendom, both Catholics and Protestants, is the demythologization of the Bible. Most Christians in the West believes that the first 11 chapters of the Bible is completely mythological. That's why they do not believe in the flood. Therefore, they don't believe in Adam and Eve. These are all myths and legends. Don't think this way. That's why they could incorporate in their belief system evolution. I don't. I have come to tell you today, the Bible is the complete revelation of God's Word for us today. Even in the translation. Now, the translations is not the original inspired Word of God. However, if you will see the translations and all of the documents, it still stay faithful, morally, and principally, truthfully, it's still, the veracity is still there. Can you say amen to that? That's why, okay, if you believe there's myths, and what Rudolf Bowman said, you know, you really don't need some of the, here's what he used, primitive beliefs of the Old and the New Testament people. Say it with me, primitive. When you label something like that, when you're doing labeling, you're saying that you are? You're more modern and better. So he says, like, the beliefs in Satan, for example, that's primitive. You don't need to believe that. Like, angels? How come we don't have angels anymore today? He says. So that's primitive. That's all just folklores. And what he did was resurrection. You don't need resurrection. It's a big controversy, so you don't need to believe that. You only need to believe in Jesus. That's what he said. It sounds really good, but it's not in the Bible. See, this is my contention. If there's mistake in the Bible, we're all in big trouble. But the mistake is not in the Bible. The problem is with us. Our minds are full of other information. You try, after 30 years, I can prove to you. I tell you, my mind has been filled with this word for the last 32 years. It's wonderful. 
it really gives you a solid direction. Say it with me, sola scriptura. Say it with me, my faith and my pattern of life will rest on the Word of God. Amen. This is the solid foundation. Secondly, faith. Look at me and say it with me, faith. This is another solid foundation. If you are going to become great in the kingdom of God, if you're going to accomplish anything at all, you need to learn how to have faith in God. Not theoretical faith. All of us have this. That's why it's important that you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. How many of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? How many of you have spoken in tongues? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. The one that speaks in tongues. Okay. So that means the ones that did not raise their hand, you don't speak in tongues yet. Is that, is that accurate? Okay. See, when you pray a sinner's prayer, pray a sinner's prayer, pray with me. Okay, follow me, dear Lord Jesus. Okay, I'm a sinner. Uh, I believe you, you died for me. Okay, so finish. So you pray that prayer. But that's with your understanding. Up until that time, your faith level is still theoretical. Now you can feel something has happened, but nobody can see that. But when a person gets filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to speak in tongues, it's, I tell you, it's a step of faith into the unknown. Because for the first time in our lives, we are no longer guided by our clever, intellectual, scheming, tricking, <laughs> you know, all of the things in your mind. When you begin to shatatala, that sounds really crazy. And it's, do you think I'm crazy? Well, you have a crazy preacher then. <laughs> I am not a crazy preacher. But that's what your mind tells you. If a, if a person speaks in tongues. But that's, I want, that's why I want you to begin to walk by faith. That's the first, this is a baby step when you speak in tongues. That's a baby step. But I tell you, it's a wonderful baby step. That's why today, those of you who have not spoken in tongues, I am not asking you to speak in tongues. I am saying, you may speak in tongues. You, this is your inheritance from God. That's inside of you. It can come out. But you have to do it by faith. I will not tell you to, okay. Repeat with me. Hallelujah. Okay. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. hallelujah. Faster, faster. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> we won't do that. Some people, they do that, and it's not supernatural. Have you ever heard people do that? Yes. That's why I don't do that. I say, okay, speak in tongues by faith. Because the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them. Who spoke? They. Who gave them others? The Holy Spirit. But you have to open your mouth, stop speaking in English, Spanish, Cebuano, or Tagalog, or Vietnamese. And start talking in tongues. Hallelujah. That's by faith. Another way you learn faith, you get an impression from God, from the Word. Do it. Like, you get an impression. Call so and so. Call them. You watch. Then your faith begins to grow. But many people, they want to just go to church and listen to the sermon. And you get filled with so many theories. And you don't grow. 
You want to grow? Be daring. Now, now God will not ask you to jump at the San Francisco Bridge. You might be daring, but that's not a different type of dare. Like all of these young people, you know? Okay, I'm going to dare. I'm going to go bungee jumping. I do want to try that one of these days. Are you going to be okay? <laughs> I already tried gliding, Pastor. So the next one, I'm going to try uh, skydiving. Hey, hallelujah. But what I'm saying to you is do not let fear paralyze you. But you really begin to become a man of faith. This is the first, you know, Martin Luther. Can you imagine? Do you think he was calculating that 500 years later, there will be this whole movement of people that will affect the globe? He simply stepped out in faith and said, no, this is not right. The only way a man can be acceptable to God and the only way a man can please God, for the Bible tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. Faith. I tell you, I got my wife by faith. You know, I saw my wife, Sarah Joy. When I first saw her in 1980, I promise. Because when I was a teenager, I used to have two or three girlfriends at the same time. Now, it's always difficult, you know, to keep them apart from each other. <laughs> so, when I became a Christian, I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not right. Toying with the emotions. That's not good. T-W-E. <laughs> Toying with the emotions. Some boys, they do that. And that's demonic. Yes, girls do that too. So don't toy with the emotions. So when I became a Christian, I said to God, the next girlfriend, that's going to be my wife. I got saved in 78. I met Sarah Joy in 1980. I had this impression. I didn't tell her right away. I told my mother. I said, Mom, I have an impression. I have no more girlfriends. In 78, I got saved. In 79, 80, I'm not courting anybody anymore. I just want to really get to know Jesus. I told my mom, I said, I think mom, because she was not in Bible school, so I was free to tell my mother. I said, I think I'm going to marry this girl. She said, you don't even know her. <laughs> I said, well, we'll see. But it got complicated because she came to Bible school the following year. And in Bible school, we're not allowed to court until we're in the senior year, second semester. Why are you laughing? You know this, right? So, and you know, I see Sarah. She's, you know, and we're only allowed to socialize from 5 o'clock until 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Because it, it's so close. We're in a co-ed, and it's an intern. It's a dormitory type of uh, living. We're in a campus. So you can easily fall in love, and you can easily get jealous Twice, you know, you can see it. And I could see her. She's getting befriended with my other classmates and the other boys. And I have to control my emotions. <laughs> but I knew she was the woman for me. How do I know this? By faith. Wait, wait, wait. There's no link. We were classmates. But I kept my heart. I thought she also liked me. But then the hour of truth came. 
Second semester, senior year, 1983 to 1984, October, I proposed the first time. And my proposal was rejected. <laughs> With a very clear no. She said, no, I don't have no feelings for you. I, had, I was such a man of faith. You know what I said? I'm also so stupid. I said, I'll give you time to pray. <laughs> I, I, I really had faith because in, in, in Bible school, I, I'm telling you, I, I was just a student. I had no money. I went to the colleges and I said, I want to go to your schools and I want to preach to you. Can you imagine in one summer, I brought the whole Bible school to the city of Cebu. We went to 13 universities and colleges. We were preaching. And I would have altar calls. Four, five hundred kids would come down from the, from the quadrangle of the colleges and they will give their lives to Christ with signs and wonders. I had faith. So with this thing, I had faith. So I proposed the second time around. I said, have you thought about it? She said, what? <laughs> she said, no. Until the third proposal, you know, it's getting serious. It's getting thin on my faith and I'm getting discouraged. And she said, you know, I said, did you know I heard from God? <laughs> I'm bordering on manipulation. <laughs> and she said, did you know I did not hear from God? <laughs> Oh, Lord, then I'm getting angry because now it's really becoming really an offense to me. And to the point that I said, okay, I got really angry. I said, one day you will eat your words. <laughs> you didn't want me then. <laughs> she, she almost laughed. <laughs> but I had faith. So I had faith enough that one month later, I apologized. I said, I'm sorry. That was a wrong attitude and I really offended you. So I said, by this time, I was about to give up. I said, okay, if you have no feelings for me, we'll just be friends. Of course, that's hard. <laughs> you know, but three days later, we had a service in the chapel. I surrendered. I went to the altar. I said, Lord, I thought I heard from you. <laughs> but I surrender. I said, Lord, I surrender my emotions because I don't understand. You, you, I thought you really spoke to me, but if I made a mistake, I repent. I was crying. And Miss Phyllis Bakke, you know Phyllis Bakke? She was our piano teacher. She's a spinster. She's an old single woman. She's our music teacher. She comes to me and prays for me in the altar call. I was crying. <laughs> you guys are laughing at me. How could you do this? <laughs> and then she comes in behind me, Jonathan, and says, whatever you surrender, God's going to give it back to you. <laughs> you see, it's a word from God. It's a word of faith. And I said, Mom, are you sure? She said, that's what I heard from God. And so I said, okay. Three days later, this was on a Wednesday when it happened. Three days later, see all of these scars? 
had an accident. I borrowed the car of one of our members to take my classmates to go to the beach and I had to return the car. I didn't even drive. I just borrowed the car. And that car, we had an accident. We hit a papaya tree <laughs> and an electric post. <laughs> All on my side. The driver had not even a single scratch or bump, but I had gone through the windshield because there was no seatbelt in the Philippines. <laughs> and so I sat down like that, and, I, and, I, and he was looking at me. He was shaken up, you know. And I looked at the rearview mirror, and I said, oh, I saw all this blood in my face. I said, bring me to the hospital. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine this? God was speaking to me while I was being operated for six hours, sewing me up. And the word that came to me was Romans 8.28. And we know God causes all things to work together for good. I said, Lord, show me what good's going to come out of this. <laughs> I was there. Six hours, three o'clock in the afternoon, I looked at the mirror after the... St Were you already in church, Lou, at that time? Yes. Lou was already in our church. She was one of the young adults then. And I was sewn up, and I was so swollen. You could not, I looked like a monster. And I have Romans 8.28. All things will work together for good. To the, said, Lord, I love you. I'm called according to your purpose. So obviously, the devil's trying to kill me. Guess what happened? This was on a Saturday. Sunday, Sarah Joy visits me in the hospital. And of course, I was happy. So I wrote her a little note. I said, thank you for coming to see me with my classmates. She was not alone. <laughs> then she wrote me back. She sent me her tape. She preached on that Monday. She sent me. She keeps writing me notes. I said, wow. Well, she knows so nice to me now. <laughs> see, I don't know. But how God works things, you have to have faith in God and you don't give up in the middle of the battle. Amen. God spoke to her when she heard I had an accident. God said, you would have missed the will of God for your life. I could have taken him. That's what God said to her. So she was so nice. This was January 21. February 15, we're engaged. <laughs> oh, did my faith win? Faith is a winner. Hallelujah. But you have to hold on. I bought a building just like you. We bought a building. Lou was still there in 1992 before we went to Germany. I signed a contract for 22 million pesos. And I had paid. <laughs> I should have just kept my mouth shut. Okay. <laughs> well, this was in 1992. It's a long time ago. So, 22 million was a lot of money, and the dollar rate was 20 pesos. Ah, about a million dollars. So, this is in the Philippines. It's not in California. When I signed that thing, and I, we paid about 9 million already before I left. But Pastor Desarno also had a hard time during the middle of this whole project. But we stand, stood on our ground that God wanted us to have this building. Today you can go to that building. It seats more than 650 people. It's the oldest auditorium in the Philippines. Visited none other than General Douglas MacArthur. He addressed that after the war. He was in that building. The first man on the moon. What's his name? Neil Armstrong. Spoke in that building. 
we should really have a memorabilia so we can make money from the tourists. <laughs> but you know that building, we bought it in 1992 when I was still pastor. And I had faith. I tell you, we had monies coming. Like I would just be sitting in the office, but during the time of the payment, I tell you, you could have ulcers if you do not know how to have faith in God. Because the banks are going to ask you and they don't have faith in you. They don't have faith in God. They have faith in you. And so you better have faith in God. And you know what? Every time we needed the money, the money was there. And in seven years, that building was fully paid for. I came home from Germany in 1990. We burned the mortgages. Hallelujah. Without, you know what happened? In 1994, we had this currency crisis in Asia. Our interest went from 16% to 32%. We nearly lost that property. But Pastor Rizarno is also, where do you think I got him my faith? I learned faith from that man. He would always announce, he said, this is what's going to happen. And I said, okay, that's what's going to happen. I just believe God. We kept believing God, and it kept growing and growing and growing. And finally, when we had this building project, we could not hardly pay. We went from one bank to the next bank to try to, you know, refinance the whole thing. Finally, one man, he said, I lend you all the money. No interest. Pay when able with what you are able. And we paid it in seven years. That building is now debt-free. So when I go home there, they treat me well. Hallelujah. <laughs> by faith. And it's all by the grace of God. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to cap it all up. If you're already tired, it's already 12 noon. So no problem. You, you can fast for another 15 minutes. Okay. By grace. I already said that to the earlier service. You need to learn how to be strong. What did Paul say? 2 Timothy chapter 2. What does it say? Verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1. Come on. Do it. Fast. Quickly. <laughs> 2 Timothy 2. 1. Nervous ka naman eh. 2. Yes. It's not up there. You, therefore, my son, be strong in grace. Everybody say strong in grace. You see, many people are not strong in grace. That's why their life also is not full of testimonies. When you become strong in grace, when you're dependent and relaxed in what Jesus Christ has done, you will accomplish more than what you can do with your flesh. You know, some people, they want to prosper, so they work on Sundays. Stop it. Come to church on Sunday. You rest in God. This is, that's what it means to trust in the grace of God. Hey, don't work seven days a week. Some of you have eight-hour week, eight-day week. Stop that. Learn how to rest in the grace of God. Does any one of you need to repent? If you need to repent, repent. Hallelujah. If you don't have to repent, glory to God. But you know, you have to change your mind. God, through Jesus, has prepared everything we need. That's why, relax. Tell your neighbor, relax. You can relax in the grace of God. Like healing. You see, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why do we not get it? Because we're trying so hard. Stop trying, start receiving. 
See, the greatest battle that we all have in our lives as Christians is the art and the way we can receive from God. It's very difficult. For most people, they don't know how to receive from God. You need to learn to rest in the grace of God. You cannot add or subtract from God's grace. He's done it all. What does it say about prosperity? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, who although he was rich, he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. It's the grace of God. We are chapter 11 bankrupt in our morals. That's why the reason why people don't know the grace of God is because they still think they're better on their own, in their own human ability. Stop it. We are no good in our human strength. We're only good because of the grace of God. And the reason why we don't treasure the grace of God like that is because, I said that in the first service, we all believe we're sinners. How many of you believe you're sinners? Okay, everybody believe that. But many people, they go to church, they know they're sinners, but they think this way, but only a little bit. You don't say it, but that's the way you act. You compare yourselves with criminals in the... In the prison. You say, well, I've never been in prison. I'm quite okay. No, you're not okay. As far as God is concerned, if you're okay, why must Jesus die? He should never have died if you're okay. You're not okay. I'm not okay. I am not a little bit of sinner. I am a whole lot of sinner. And when Jesus died, he did not die for a little bit of our sins. Hello? You want that Jesus died only a little bit of your sins? No, he died for all of my sins. Hallelujah. But grace will begin to make you really trust and rely upon God's ability. You see, grace is God's divine equalizer against the devil. You see, the devil is smarter than any one of us here. I said that last night. He's a better psychologist and psychiatrist. That's why many Christians, they don't know the battle is here. It's in the grace of God. You need to be strong. When you become strong in the grace of God, you will defeat the devil because he does not know grace. Hallelujah. Why does the devil hate us? Because of the grace of God. Because he cannot receive any. Tell your neighbor, the devil cannot receive any grace. He sinned once and he was cast out forever from the presence of God and his judge and God created hell and the lake of fire for the devil and his angels. He only sinned once. How many times have you sinned after you became born again? How many times have you sinned since you got born again? Once? You cannot come. Did God forgive you? He did. Because you are saved by grace. Wow. And the devil hates it. That's why he goes up and down to heaven. He goes to the presence of God and says, he accuses you. He torments you in your mind. That's why Jesus is still praying for you and for me. What does Jesus do today? He sits there at the right hand of the Father and he always talks to the Father about you. He says, he's all right. Jonathan, I paid for his sin. 
when the devil comes and says, look at what that Jonathan did. He's even a pastor. He did it. Look at that Tony Ibarra. That's, is that the name of the devil? The word devil means accuser. He accuses us day and night before the presence of God. But what does it mean? You give him the divine equalizer. You say, Satan, that's right. I've sinned, but I'm repenting. I'm not covering it up. I'm going to confess it to God. And when you do that, devil has no legal right. Don't try to play psychology with the devil. He's got PhD. <laughs> you only had bachelors. <laughs> Don't do it. Do it with a biblical way. Repent and turn away from your wicked ways. Can you say amen to that? Amen. See, grace will give you the ability to become holy. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Until 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation had appeared to all men. Verse 12. Teaching us that denying, everybody say denying, ungodliness, worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous for? Okay, question. Pastor, if it's all by grace, then I don't have to pay my tithes or do all of these other good works. No. What does it say? Number one, it teaches you to be holy. Number two, you become zealous for? Now, is tithing good works? Is helping the poor good works. You do all of these things, nah, but you don't trust in these things as your method of earning points with God. It's all by the grace, nothing more and nothing less. It's by grace from the beginning, grace in the middle, and grace all the way to the end. Can you say amen to that? And then, the, give the Lord a clap. Yes, Lord, this is for you, Jesus. I'm trying to feel it out if you're clapping your hands because you want me to stop. <laughs> I'll give you one more point and then we'll end. Why Christ alone? Why? Christ is the most unique person in the universe. Nobody can compare with Jesus. He's the incomparable. He's our treasure. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He's the first. He's the last. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the prince, the wonderful, the counselor, the mighty God. Hallelujah. The healer of my soul. Jesus is everything to us. Is that what we just said religiously? No. Really, Christ is unique in comparison to all of the religions. Treasure him. He sustains the universe. Everything is held by Him. You've seen laminin. You got crosses all over your bodies. You've seen that video, right? You've seen that? How great is our God? Yes, you've seen that. That's in your body. That's also in the stars. If Jesus will remove His power to sustain us, we'll be all gone. So what's the purpose of all of these things? It goes to the end. Solideo Gloria. So that 
only all the glory will go to God, that we will not have a righteousness of our own, that we will not become proud, but we will always be humble, hungry, and holy before Him. That's the purpose. By faith. You know, by faith, you have no grounds. You make steps that you cannot rationalize, you cannot logicalize, you cannot mathematize, you cannot analyze. If you do all of those four things, you'll be paralyzed. <laughs> but if you live by faith, you will do things that you say, how'd you do that? By faith. That's what God wants for us. So that we're always focused and fixed on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who sat down and he invites you to sit down. What did the Bible say? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 or 4. But he has quickened us and made us to sit down with him in the heavenly places. When you're sitting down, what does that mean? Relax. That's right. You know, I'm a father. If there are things to do in the house, I said, why are you sitting down? Stand up and do something. Right? Vacuum or do something, cook or something like that. I want them to be standing up, my children. Yeah, but if I said, no, let's sit down. That means we're going to relax. And Jesus has invited us by His grace. Come, sit with me in the heavenly places with Christ. It's a place of rest. That's why the Bible says when you have entered into this rest, you're full of rest. You can relax. Tell your neighbor, Relax. It's all by the grace of God. Let's all stand to our feet. And let's give the glory to God. Amen? Come on. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands and just worship Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands and just worship Jesus. He's the one that deserves all the glory. Worship the Holy Spirit who is working all things. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you glory. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just worship Him. I want you to really lift up your voices right now and worship Him. Say, Lord, I worship You. I am happy in You, Lord. You have filled my heart with so much joy. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for making me sit down in the heavenly places in Christ. Thank you for blessing me with every spiritual blessings in Christ today, oh God. Hallelujah. I receive it, Lord. If you need healing today, relax. Just receive it. Receive. I, you receive healing. Whatever sickness you may have, receive healing from God right now. So I receive it. Weakness. If you are struggling through habitual problems, sins that you know is not pleasing to repent, confess your sins to God and say, Lord, I need your grace in this part of my life. Come on, just apply the grace of God right there where it is needed. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for giving us, Lord, liberty and freedom in the Spirit today. Lord, we continue to focus our eyes on you. We continue to look to you only as the source of life, of righteousness, of blessings, of holiness, of sustenance, of provision, of protection. You alone, O oh God, deserve 
to be the place where we seek refuge. Lord, I thank you that your throne is a throne of grace. Come to the throne of grace right now and worship him. Can we just sing one worship song? Can we sing that song? He said, how many times? Sing that song.